I wanted to talk a little bit about dreams this morning, and I wanted to say that uh, sometimes God will bring a vision or a dream into your life at certain places, but dreams as we experience them usually go two ways, don't they? The first way is, is they're kind of a nightmare where they multiply your fears and you sort of end up in the fancy word that I, I brought into the service a couple of weeks ago, catastrophizing. Where you have a bad situation and inside it just keeps multiplying and multiplying in your fears and pretty soon you're in a catastrophe and it can't possibly go the way that would be good for you. Anybody ever experienced a catastrophizing moment in their life? You don't have to raise your hand for that. I, I see a couple of hands anyway. The other way dreams go is maybe you're in a spot where you need a hope and you need encouragement. And then the dream comes in and gives you the strength to go forward. Do you see how those are divergent from each other that, that, I'm going to tell you that I think that there's a different source for the second type of dream where you come in where I had a dream one night that woke me up in the middle. I'd been kind of having a dark night of the soul where I was wondering, why am I doing what I'm doing? I need to stop. This doesn't work. And then I had a dream that's been sort of indelibly put inside me that, that God said, you're shaped for what I'm doing and what you're doing is part of that and the plan is out there and you need to move forward. So the, so the catastrophizing sort of dream stops you, sort of puts your feet in concrete, maybe paralyzes you from doing things. And then there's this other kind of dream that moves in your life, that moves you forward, gives you the power to move, and things like that. Have, how many of in the room have sort of just, if I say this, have, you've experienced both or one or the other? Just Okay, so you know those dreams. Now I would tell you that when my experience is the dreams that come from God are not forgettable dreams. So um, sometimes you have hope-filling dreams that, that they fill you with hope, but they're not like a specific call from God to change something, but they do bring hope into your life. But the ones that are from God, they indelibly become part of your vision and your hope for the future. As I talk about this, I want to make sure that I say this. I have two things that I say as I move forward. And I heard one from a, a pastor friend of mine in town, Peter German, said this, God doesn't bring a vision into your life in order to, to discourage you even if it's bigger than you can accomplish. Does that sound like Peter? As you, I know you know Peter well, but Peter would say this, if you've got a vision or you've got a hope and the problem is so big that you can't see a solution to it and God brings a vision that you should have part of the solution, he doesn't bring you into that problem to say, what I really want is my person discouraged. He, God doesn't do that. Um, the other thing I want to say is, as we've been talking about this, is as I get ready to read a dream, a story of a dream in the scriptures, is that the word Emmanuel is as much a name, and I'm going to say this over and over again today, Emmanuel is as much a name as it is God's chosen method of interacting with people. Now, what does that mean? That means that names in the Old Testament often mean something specific. Emmanuel means God with us. El is the Hebrew word that, that almost always is part of the God 
title or name, Emmanuel, God with us. But that's also his way, the way he chooses to interact in our lives, is to be with us. Now let's read this from Matthew 1, 18 and 25. This is Advent Sermon number 4, and we've been talking about concepts. There was look, turn, and watch, and today I'm going to talk about dream, fulfillment, and hope. So here it is. This is, that is, that was Isaiah. This is um, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and beyond. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. I'm going to pause there for a second and say this. How much do you know about Joseph that's actual real data and not just public information, you know, things people make up? You don't know very much about Joseph, do we? We know that he was a a member of the tribe of Israel. We know that he was a carpenter. We know that um, he and his wife forgot their son someplace at one point in time. And we know that he struggled specifically with whether or not he should break the engagement. Now, that's not a major part in the scripture, is it? Now, he's big. He plays a big role, but it's kind of a bit role. I, I said this in the first service. I want to say this this way. He's kind of, um, for the Star Trek fans in the room, he's the ensign on the away mission that you don't know. <laughs> right? He's going to take one for the team, and and you might, the ensign to be named later. Um but he's invited into the into this spot. And he's invited in this way. So here, as we continue, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, if you would have that for a moment, how long have you wrestled with something, trying to get to sleep, and you just toss and turn and toss and turn? <laughs> I just saw somebody say, every night. Well, that comes from sort of the catastrophizing thought, doesn't it? How could this get any worse than it is right now? And if, of course, if you would put yourself in Joseph's spot for a second, your fiance just told you she's having a baby or he's having, and it's not yours. And you could, you could imagine him catastrophizing for a little bit, couldn't you? You could actually just agree that that's not maybe the best optimal spot. So God comes in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the message from the Lord through through his prophet. Look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel said of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until she was, her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. 
A little aside here, names do mean things in the Old Testament. Jesus or Yeshua, some of you have heard that, sounds a little bit like Joshua. It's not exactly the same as Joshua in the Old Testament. It means Yeshua means God saves. Or, or as one of my seminary prophets used to say, Jesus to the, God to the rescue. So if, you, if you've ever need rescuing, then you know that this is a perfect Sunday school answer is Jesus, God to the rescue. Emmanuel, God is with us. What is that? It's more than a name. It's God's chosen manner or optimal method for interacting with us is to be with us. But Joseph is a bit of a bit player, and perhaps I want to speak into your life just a little bit. Perhaps you feel like maybe you don't have a major role in the world that you live in. How many of you think you're the center of the universe? Okay. Okay, so so as I saw a hand come up, I'm just going to have a little personal conversation over here. With 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 Roy, who I need to disabuse him of a misinterpretation. No, uh, no, no, no. Um, you know, we know we're not the center of the universe, and I know Roy doesn't think of himself as the center of everything, and so it's funny that way. But I want you to hear, if you will, that this is one of those spots where, and this is one of my $5 words, hi there. Serena, you need to go sit down, please. Okay. <laughs> um, you need to hear the $5 word here that, that I have for what this concept is. It's the democratization of Scripture. I've heard people say that the Scripture is really about people in other places long ago. But the Scripture is for us through this this process called democratization of Scripture the angel and God invite Jesus into the story and us as we stand behind him and sort of look over his shoulder when he's been invited. In the same way that like the book of Colossians or the book of Galatians is to us over the shoulders of the people it was initially written to. Does that make sense? In the same way that God's grace goes to you, it comes to you, it's meant for you, but it's also headed to the people that you will help spill it on. So God's word is for us. Now it was written to specific people, but it's for us over their shoulder, if you will, that we're listening in and included. But Joseph seems like a bit player, and if you feel like a bit player, I want you to think about it. If you don't think about anything else today, what does it mean that God specifically invited him into the action of redemption that God's doing? What does it mean to you that you might be invited specifically into God's plan of redemption? As scripture is democratized into your thought, I'm going to use that over and over again. So next time you'll ask me what that means, and I'll, and I'll go, huh, I made that up. No, I didn't. I didn't actually. But here it is. Joseph is invited into God's grand, amazing, fabulous plan of redemption for the world. 
And he's told in the moment of, of hard reality to him that he should not be afraid, that he's going to have a role, and that God's going to use this, and that God's uh, prophecy about God with us is going to come to bear in this child named Jesus. Now, that's why this is an Advent story, because we are joining into the storyline as with, with the Jews as they wait for the coming of the king. And we're joining in and remembering that that's where they were. Well, Joseph had a hard spot, didn't he? Have you ever had a hard spot and then had God speak into your life and suddenly you had some hope? That's what's going on with Joseph. That's what's moving in his life, that God with him, God has come to join him. And, and, and this is the language that I've been using. Remember this, that God has kneeled into Joseph's difficult spot and said, don't be afraid. I'm with you in this. Matter of fact, as you join me in this, you're with me throughout this process. And so we can maybe forgive him for a little bit for struggling with whether or not he sh- what he should do with Mary, but not we're not causing we're not having to join him in the struggle afterwards because he has been given a hope He's been given a new vision, a new dream for his life, a dream that God will fulfill. And how does God do that? Emmanuel. Not just a name, but God's chosen process for interacting. God with us. Now I want to read another scripture. It's the completion or the whole scripture from Isaiah that they quoted just a little bit in Matthew there. And this is the prophecy about Isaiah or um, about Emmanuel because it's got something on the end of it that I need to tack in for, for the hope to be fully understood. So the prophet says to Ahaz, Ask for a sign of your Lord, your God, and let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. This is God talking to Ahaz saying, ask me for a sign, whether it's, bit, whether it's in the deepest pit, Sheol, that's the Hebrew word for the place that, that the soul goes when it's not been good, or as high as heaven where the soul goes, where our bodies go, where we go when we're part of God's kingdom. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Now, for a moment, I want you to say, that's right, we're not supposed to test the Lord our God unless he asks us to, and then we're supposed to participate, right? So if God specifically asks you to do something, don't go, no, I'm not gonna. That's a bad plan. If God specifically asks you to do something, participate here, and then God responds to him when he says this, Oh, house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you also weary God also? Participate. When he invites you in, participate. Otherwise, you kind of wear him out. That's the language he's using. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Remember, Emmanuel is not just a name, but God's chosen method of operating. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. 
the land whose kings you dread will be deserted. Is there a land or a spot that we think of as, 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 as just the place of dread in our lives? I think there is. The Jews used to think, remember, the Jews used to hope that Jesus would come and kick everybody else out and get rid of the people that trouble them so that they could have their own little place in the world and just do this thing. That's what they were hoping Jesus would do, a political Messiah. Instead, he took care of the real troubler of Israel's sin. He said, it doesn't really matter whether Rome's in charge or Greece is in charge or whatever. The real trouble is sin in your life. And I'm going to take care of that. That's the land that's inside of us that we dread, isn't it? But Jesus is going to cause that land to be deserted in us. What does that mean? Have you ever heard anything like that? That land of dread, the place that scares you, the place that's not good for you, will be deserted? Let me just bring that thought back home for a second. It means that sin won't have a spot in your life and it won't have a hold in your life and it won't have a tug in your life and it won't scare you and it won't drag you off into the corner and beat you up anymore. Can you just take a breath with me and go, wow? Is that a wow moment in scripture? The place that terrifies you won't be a place that terrifies you anymore. Matter of fact, it'll be deserted. It'll have no power. It's more than that in some ways. It's more than just deserted. The Hebrew word adzab, adzab, it's not actually the correct pronunciation. I can't bring up the hairball this morning. Adzab, adzab is the word. It's not just deserted, but rejected. No, it's a Hebrew word, adzab. And it means, it means the place won't just be deserted, but everybody will reject it. Now, is that hope? Is there a spot in you that God's dream, that, that this place that scares you would be rejected by you and have no power over you? Is there a spot in you where God can sort of set the harpoon of that kind of hope into your life, that it could take root in your life, and that maybe so the, the place it takes in your life would be so strong that you could never, ever get rid of it, that it would just take root in you? Think for a moment. Can, can you be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you? The hope that the place that, that terrifies you, the sin in your life won't have a pull in your life anymore, that, that there could be a place that in your life that the hope will be so full that you could begin to change your life and you could enter into this story of this grand, re, grand redemption that God has for you knowing that it's his job to fulfill it and not yours. It's his job to fulfill that hope and not yours. He doesn't give you a dream like that in such a way so as to discourage you, so that you look at it and say, well, that's great, but I can't do that. I just could be discouraged. I can't cause sin to go away in my life. Well, that's true. You can't. Don't be discouraged about it. God has brought in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, to walk with us so that he'll take care of that. 
God's putting a new dream into our lives of hope, and then he's going to fulfill it. If you've ever heard the gospel put this way, then good. If you haven't, I'm glad I'm here to say it today. What if God takes care of the big dreams and he doesn't give you those dreams? Remember, he doesn't give you those dreams. I'm quoting Peter German, another pastor in town. He doesn't give you those dreams to discourage you and to weigh you down. He gives them to you so that you might understand what his power is in your life. Emmanuel, not just a name, but God's chosen manner of interacting. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as you put a dream within us, as you change our hearts, as you do all the things that you do, we ask that uh, we ask that uh, that hope would have a stay in our life. That the knot that holds that hope in place, the anchor in our life, would not be able to get loose of us. We thank you so much for that hope. We thank you so much that it's also your job to fulfill it. And so we, we ask for you to continue to move in our lives and to, and to pour that dream of hope into us. We thank you that we're just a week away from the true celebration of the entry into the world of Emmanuel, Yeshua, Jesus, God to the rescue. Amen. I, I see, I see, um, do we have the whole bell choir working on something this morning? Just the small one? Okay. I'm still semi-confused. It, it, I'll be, I'll be confused afterwards too, if that's all right. Um, we're getting ready for communion this morning. Some of you have not been here for communion before. Um, with with me doing it, and I, I need to tell you this one thing. Um, communion at this church is an open table. It's an open invitation, which means that if you're here and you feel led by God to have communion, you're welcome, because we're, we're not going to disinvite those that God invites. Now, as far as that goes, methodologically, what will happen is the ushers will come forward and bring you in. And as you come forward, you'll be given a piece of bread and you can dip that piece of bread into the juice and take it. Unless, of course, you need gluten-free, in which case there'll be a center station where you can do that. Okay? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, This... This is my body, broken for you. And he took the cup, and he said, This, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and eat. And so today, as you come, may you understand that while these, this isn't that loaf of bread, and this isn't that cup of juice, because that would make them old and stale, This is a picture of God's provision for us that fills our lives. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for provision. Thank you so much for the way you gather us to yourself, that you join us where we're at, 
however you do it, whatever the picture that works, but that we might feel your arms hold us tight, that, that you'll never let us go. In your precious name, amen.